Koppel, host of the Time for Coffee podcast, where you get firsthand career advice into the jobs and industries that interest you the most. And before we start today's show, I have a quick favor to ask you. If you haven't already, I'd be incredibly grateful if you give us a rating and a review on iTunes. And if you're like me, you need to do it now because you'll forget later and because it's the best way to help others who may be in search of career advice to find this free resource. So press pause if you haven't done it and do it right now. I'll wait. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome back to another episode of T4C. If you're interested in breaking into financial services or perhaps even certified financial advising, then this is the episode for you because my next guest is a top-ranked financial advisor, top-ranked by Barron's and by Forbes with almost 30 years of financial industry leadership. But before I introduce you to Paul Pagnotto, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's T4C's weekly newsletter that comes out on Mondays and gives you an inside scoop on the episodes and the professions we're going to be featuring that week. And it is super easy to do. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time, the number four, coffee.org. And the sign up box is right there. Now, my fiscally responsible Frappuccino lovers, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated beverage because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Paul Pagnotto, the CEO and founder at Pagnotto Corp, a multifamily office with over $4.8 billion in assets under advisement. Just last year in 2019, Paul was ranked by Forbes as the number one wealth advisor in Virginia and 29th in the nation. And he was ranked second in Virginia on Barron's top 1,200 financial advisors state by state. Paul spent 20 years or just about with Merrill Lynch, where he founded its private banking and investment office in Washington, D.C. And get this. He began his career as a microbiologist with NASA and McDonnell Douglas working collaboratively to search for life in outer space. How cool is that? Paul is also an author of the newly published book, Transparency Wave, Exponential Changes That Will Transform Our World. We're going to be talking more about that and what Paul does in his current job and how he built his fascinating career in our main Time for Coffee interview. So please check out show notes for this episode to see if Paul's main Time for Coffee interview has already dropped. Paul, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? I am so ready. Thank you for that fabulous introduction. It's it's humbling. So th- thank you so much. Hey, I am just reading what you've accomplished over your life, which is <laughs> absolutely unbelievable. And I want to just drill down a little bit, Paul, because you sidestepped the question about whether or not you're caffeinated. Are you one of those people who's naturally <laughs> caffeinated or do you like caffeine? 
I am naturally caffeinated. I think it would put me over the edge. My morning drink is coconut water. I love coconut water. (laughs) Nice. Well, I know that health is super important to you as well. I happen to add some uh, MCT oil and a little bit Uh of grass-fed ghee into my Mm. bulletproof coffee. I don't know if you're familiar with Dave Asprey. Yes, I am. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I am all about whatever works for you. This works for me. It gets my brain humming with those good fats, but so does coconut water, right? It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's so wonderful. MCT oil is actually highly processed coconut mm. oil. So I think we're kind of vibing on the same thing here, Paul. So we are. We're in the same vibe. <laughs> So let's dive into our 10 espresso shots. These are questions to help our young listeners learn more about how to break into your current field of financial services. And the first espresso shot is what entry level jobs, Paul, are available to young people who want to break into this field? Yeah. So if you are in high school, if you're in college or getting ready to graduate, there is a plethora of opportunities for internships, even in this COVID world. So one, I think we always have five to six interns helping us out every single year. It is a fabulous way to get an understanding and feel for whether this is something you actually want to pursue or not. When you look at the scope of wealth management and financial services, oh my gosh, it is so broad. It ranges from being a, in a finance department and the CFO of a company or a controller of a company to being an analyst at an asset management firm to actually managing money, managing capital to being a planner, a financial planner to being a family wealth advisor to being an investment banker, a research analyst. So it's so large, it's so wide. And then if you do choose a career in wealth management and helping individuals, there are so many different facets of that. So you could specialize in helping people that are disabled or helping people that are ultra high net worth individuals or helping people that are saving for retirement or helping individuals that are just graduating college. So there's just a plethora of opportunities and you said it so well, what's important is that you follow your dreams and aspirations and you follow what works well for you. Okay, cool. What about a useful hard and soft skill that you look for, Paul, in the young people that you hire at your firm or maybe when you were at Merrill? So work ethic is essential. There's no substitute for work ethic, right? We all have to put our 10,000 hours in. So I'm looking for someone who has a background of hard work and they're, they're not afraid to work hard and put the time in to be excellent at whatever it is that they're pursuing and doing. The other is the ability to follow up. So when I'm interviewing someone and and meeting with someone, I'm paying attention to, did I receive a follow-up note in the mail? Did I receive a follow-up email? Also, punctuality, showing up on time is super, super important. So I'm paying attention each time that they come in and they interview with me or other people, other individuals on my team. I'm noting each time did they show up on time. So there's a couple nuggets that are super important for the relationship that they're trying to build with their future employer. 
Oh, what great advice, actually, in sort of how to be a professional. I think that applies not just to the financial services industry, my friends. This is every industry, the the advice that Paul just gave. And I want to pick up on something you mentioned in passing, and that was the 10,000 hours. That may not mean that much to our young listeners. I don't know if this is your tip of the hat to Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hour rule, (laughs) what it takes to become expert. Yes, that's exactly what it is. So Malcolm Gladwell is a very successful author, multiple books, and he did a very broad-based study on how much time someone needs to apply to a profession or a discipline to be considered an expert. And he concluded very consistent across broad industries and professions and disciplines If one puts in 10,000 hours, they get to that sphere of being considered an expert. I did the math on this. This was many, many months ago because I'm looking into it for a whole nother reason. And that comes down to if you're looking at just a 40 hour week, about five years of work. So just keep that in the back of your mind. If you want to become an expert, if you want to become the best like Paul, that's what it's going to take. Next espresso shot. Is someone's major a deciding factor to get into your profession, Paul, Mr. Microbiology major? It is not. In fact, I think it's important that we all have the mindset that we have a different map of life today than the prior generation. And we're living and breathing it now, Andrea. So it is very common to have multiple careers. Uh, in fact, Stanford is doing this huge study. They call it the new map of life. And the new map of life is you go to school, you learn a profession, you have you work in that field, then you go back to school, and you learn some new skills, then you go apply that, and you go back to school. So the Stanford estimates this is going to happen three, four, five times in someone's career. And I can share it's already happened to me several times. And I feel like I'm just getting started. I love that. And the way that I have come to describe this to my listeners and T4C fans are very familiar with this analogy that I've come up with. And that is rather than thinking of your major as the tiny box, the tiny house that you're going to be forced to live in, for the rest of your professional life. Instead, think of it as the foundation of a professional skyscraper that you'll be building over the course of your life with each new job and each new career, adding a new floor in that skyscraper. I absolutely love that. I was very fortunate to be part of this think tank. And it was uh, it was one evening, we started at eight o'clock, didn't finish till two, three in the morning. And it was with individuals from top universities, academia, top leaders in business, some government professionals, there's 30 of us. And we strove to come up with what the essence of life is. We took a step back and we didn't just think of human life. We thought of all life. So human life, plants, animals, fish, bacteria, all life. And we concluded the essential trait for all life is to grow is all life doesn't want to go extinct. 
We want to continue to survive. And a critical element of survival is growth. So if you think about it, us as humans, for us to continue to grow, right? life is a journey. We need to continue to learn. We need to continue to experiment. We all have entrepreneurial genes in us. We all thrive on, on, on growing and learning. And this is part of it. And what I might add to that, and that's a beautiful way to live your life, to think about growing, is that it's scary. And don't think that when Paul pivoted, I'm guessing, out of microbiology and moved into financial services, he wasn't afraid. He wasn't probably like, what the heck am I doing? But that, pushing himself out of his comfort zone, is what helped him to grow. Am I right, Paul? You're so spot on, Andrea, to think about it. When I graduated college, I had a degree in microbiology. I was financially illiterate. I couldn't tell you how to save for retirement or the methods to do that or how much to save for retirement, just the basic principles I lacked. And here I pivoted to going into a career in wealth management, financial services. So I had to learn everything. I had to learn the, the basics of providing advice to someone. I went to work for a fabulous company, Merrill Lynch, had an amazing training program. But I also had no sales experience. I had no marketing experience. I don't come from money. I didn't have a network to tap into. So I had to learn all of those things very, very quickly. It was super scary. And I had failure all over the place. But failure is simply success is failure turned inside out. That's how we learn. That's how we grow is by failure. And one of the concepts that we employ on our team is fail fast. So we have to embrace failure. We have to have the confidence to be able to fail and to be transparent with our failure. This sounds crazy, but the faster we fail, the more we fail, the quicker we get to where we're going to go. Because that's how we eventually figure it out. Oh, my God. A hundred percent. And this is actually a theory that was developed by someone in Silicon Valley who's a serial entrepreneur by the name of Steve Blank, who I interviewed on Time for Coffee. Amazing. And it's the lean startup methodology. Mm. So a hundred percent. And I'll see if I can put in show notes a link to that interview with Steve Blank. There's also a book called The Lean Startup by Eric Rise. That's also a fabulous read. So 100% fantastic advice. Paul, how important is it to have a graduate degree? Less so for those young people who are starting out in financial services and probably more applicable for somebody who wants to be in the C-suite who wants to start their own company? And if so, are there more useful grad degrees to get? Yeah. So depending on the path that you take and what your ambitions are, I think it's more or less essential. So working for a company, a large company, going into the C-suite, being an officer, executive of a company. I think a master's degree in business and MBA will be very, very helpful. And that is one of the credentials that they look for over time. A lot of studies have shown that it's best, best for, for you as an individual to graduate with your four-year degree, go to work, and then go back to school full-time 
or part-time while working to obtain your master's degree. It's just so much more applicable after you've had a couple of years experience. Now, for me, in hiring individuals into the wealth management business, our family office business, that is not an essential uh, criteria. What's more important to me would be somebody having their CFP, pursuing their certified financial planner degree. That would be more applicable to our business in wealth management. Awesome. Paul, what kind of life experiences? So those experiences we have outside the classroom, do you think are most useful for someone who's starting out in financial services? It's our relationship building skills are absolutely essential. And I think this applies to all industries. So to be able to, so our mentors, our support system that we have around us is absolutely critical to the probability of our success and the outcomes that we're, we're seeking going forward. So it's really important to have the confidence in the personal skills to be able to ask people to be your mentor. I get asked quite often and very, very rare occasion that I would ever turn someone down and not being a mentor. When I started off in the business, my first year, I sought out four mentors. And these are people that had been there, done that, have achieved what I was striving to achieve in the business. And I personally, you know, one of them was, I was in DC, one of them was in Boston, one of them was in Pennsylvania. And I literally got in my car and I drove to those locations to meet with them and, and have lunch. And, you know, I asked them for a favor. I asked them if they would be open to being my mentor. I wouldn't take up too much of their time. I promised them that. I said maybe once a month we could speak for 20 minutes. And every single person said they were delighted to. But I haven't stopped. To this day, I do that. So having the interpersonal skill set to be able to create those relationships and ensure that you have a super support group around you is essential. So what happens is we all, at all phases of our life, we hit these ceilings of complexity. We hit these obstacles and we need to figure out how to overcome them. So we're going to have our failures, which help us. That's just data and helping us overcome. But then be able to, the ability to speak to someone who's been there, done that. And for someone to be able to give you great advice speeds up that learning curve. It helps that 10,000 hours go exponentially. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> oh, I absolutely love that. And I think that those skills can be honed doing just about anything. And obviously, we're in a coronavirus world right now. We're doing this interview at the end of June 2020. But if you work in any kind of services industry, selling ice cream, being a waiter or waitress, or being a delivery person for Uber Eats. These are all ways that you can hone those skills. Paul, what is the best part for you of being in financial services? It's the impact, experiencing the impact you make on people's lives. That is the magic. That's what gets me up and everybody on my team up every single day. So knowing that you're making a difference, knowing that you're helping people sleep at night and not worry about the volatile, turbulent time that all the asset classes have had, the stock market, the bond market over the last you know, four or five months, historic volatility, 
knowing that we have made a difference and that our clients are good, they're not worried and they're sleeping at night and they're making the right decisions. It's extremely fulfilling. That's really what moves us. That's what motivates us. That's what inspires us to work hard and do the best we possibly can for them. Amazing. The flip side. And we've certainly been in the flip side right here. Any fans of Stranger Things, it feels like that alternate universe. What is the part of your current job, Paul, that sucks the most? Yeah. So it's when I see people not follow their true north. And, you know, we're humans. So we get off track. We get off focus. We get off our path. And that frustrates me to see that because I care so much. And I want to see everybody following their true north. I want to see people doing what gives them energy so they can throw off that PMA, that positivity, because it's contagious and there's a massive ripple effect. So what sucks is when I see somebody who's in the gap, right? So humans, what makes us special versus all other animals is we're able to visualize. We're able to see the rainbow out there. The way our mind works is we can walk closer and closer. And that rainbow is real to us. That's the ideal getting to that rainbow. The reality is we can walk closer and closer to that rainbow, but we never reach it. And that's called a gap. So our minds get into the gap. And that's frustrating for me. It's frustrating for me to see and experience in other people. So, you know, there's ways to pull us out of the gap and to get us right back on track and to follow our true north. But uh, that was a beautiful question. But that's, that's probably the most frustrating thing is just seeing humans, people not being fulfilled or stressed. Yeah. And there's been an awful lot of that <laughs> since COVID hit the U.S. and countries around the world because there are time for coffee listeners in 170 countries. So I know we're all grappling with this. Paul, what is the best career advice you've ever gotten? It's always do the right thing and everything will take care of itself and the money will follow. So don't worry about money. If you work hard, if you do the right thing, if you're adding value to people, an organization, a team, it'll all fall in place. And in fact, if you worry too much about it, if you worry too much about money or worry too much about being successful, it can actually hinder your abilities to accomplish the outcome that you're seeking. So just know that if you're doing the right thing, you're doing things that give you energy and you're making an impact on other people and you're adding value, it's all going to work out. It's all going to work out. It's not a straight line. It's not linear. You're going to have failure. You're going to have ups and downs, but eventually it'll sync up and you'll get there. I totally agree. And what I might add to that, because that is excellent, excellent career advice. And I think during these times, which are super uncertain, which are very scary and with so much unemployment, especially for those who are currently in school, maybe who are going into college now, the temptation will be to try to reverse engineer your degree so that you can land a job that makes you a lot of money because you're afraid. And you've got student loans to pay off and you've got bills. And Paul and I totally appreciate that. We empathize with you. But the issue is, if you are not following 
something that really fills you with energy that you're super interested in, and that applies to your studies, you are going to be depleted. You're not going to have the mojo to put in those 10,000 hours to really feel inspired. And as a result, you're not going to be showing up. You're not going to be fulfilling your potential. And so if you go into, and we get the idea that sometimes you just need to get a job because you have to pay the bills, but then maybe in your free time, you are able to start something, your side hustle that fills you with energy. But please don't try to reverse engineer things when you're in school. Follow your interests, follow the things that fill you with joy and energy and inspiration so that you can do exactly what Paul said. And that is find your true north and follow it. Two final espresso shots, Paul. What movies, if any, or Netflix, Amazon, Hulu shows or books do you think accurately depict your profession? I love the question. And everyone's probably going to be surprised how I answer it. So it's the movie that came out. I'm drawing a blank on the name, but it's the movie that was about Bernie Madoff. I think it's The Wizard of Lies. Mm. That's what it's called. Yeah. So I'm PMA. I am all positivity. And, you know, I believe the first negative thought is a thought to failure. However, the movie will do a super job of articulating and teaching so many people why it's so important to always do the right thing. Because there's not always regulation in place. There's not always laws in place. There's not always guardrails in place to ensure that us as financial advisors and wealth wealth managers do the right thing. So at the end of the day, the onus falls upon us. We have to be held accountable. We have to hold ourselves accountable and we have to do the right thing. And the Bernie Madoff story is a great one that illustrates that. Bernie Madoff, you know, he did things that enabled him to never get caught. He did this for 20 years and he never got caught. And that was because he was able to do things like charge commissions and create client statements and, you know, take clients money and do all those things. And, you know, all those things are still legal today. A lot of those things he did are actually legal that enabled him to get away with what he got away with. Again, he never got caught. So it's a story that if you're entering this field, I think you, you should watch because you'll learn so much and you'll learn, it'll empower you. It'll motivate you to not only not do that, obviously, but to instill the confidence that you can be so much better and you can do the right thing and have an unbelievable successful outcome. So that's what just initially comes to my mind. And that's why. Yeah. Terrific. We will include a link to that in show notes. Final espresso shot. What would Java junkies be surprised to learn about your profession, Paul? If you are a wealth advisor to somebody, you actually, the top, top wealth advisors, they spend more time as a psychologist than as a portfolio manager. So once you put your hours in, managing money, allocating capital, that's easy. I know that 
may come across wrong, but trust me, it's easy. Once you put the time in, it's not difficult to do the right things there. So then what is more challenging and where you'll end up spending most of your time is through your dialogues. Today, they're on Zoom with clients. And understanding and reading between the line, understanding why someone may be losing sleep at night, understanding what their fears and concerns are, understanding what they feel their opportunities are, what they feel their strengths are, and addressing all of that through their plan, through their portfolio, through the solutions that you're creating. So most people don't process that when they first get into the business. But as you do, you will see that is an individuals that have that skill set to really be able to read someone's mind and understand what they're thinking and processing and ask those brilliant questions. They tend to be the very best advisors. Oh, my God. I love that. And from now on, I will refer to you as Dr. Pegnato. <laughs> The doctor is in. It makes so much sense because especially in an environment like this, right, where the market is crazy, people, maybe your clients may be more inclined to lean into their fear. And so you need to obviously anticipate that, calm them down and keep them sort of keep their trust and faith in you. And that takes a lot of that ability to read people and understand them, which you clearly do. Paul is the author of a new book that you definitely want to check out entitled Transparency Wave Exponential Changes That Will Transform Our World. And considering all the changes we've experienced in our lives since February, this is a very timely topic. Paul, thank you so much for making time for coffee today with me and the T4C community. This was just wonderful. My pleasure. It was a treat, Andrea. Thank you so much for your time and the opportunity to speak to your incredible listeners. Thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of T4C. And if you're interested in learning more about my coaching services for confused college students and recent grads, feel free to check out the Time for Coffee website under the coaching tab at time, the number four, coffee.org or text me at 202-236-5712. That's 202-236-5712. Thank you.